If I can invite you back to your seats with your coffees and your donuts, we're going to get started. Good morning. Um, my name is Ella, and this morning I'm going to be giving the next talk in our summer series, which is entitled Why Jesus? And over the summer weeks, we're going to be hearing from various speakers about why Jesus matters to them and the difference that he's made in their lives. So to kick off by sharing a little bit about me, I'm married to the brilliant Matt, who sat at the back eating a banana, looking great. Um, we met up in sunny Birmingham just over a decade ago. It was exhilarating stuff. Our eyes met over Domino's Pizza at a Christian Union gathering during Freshers' Week. Um, it was very exciting. The garlic and herb dip was circulating. Loads of people were hacking their lungs up, getting Freshers' flu around us. The stage was set for our romance to unfold. I'm so glad that my garlic and herb breath didn't put Matt off too much because 11 years later, we now have a beautiful daughter also at the back. She's 17 months old and called Livy. And for anyone who serves on VKids, um, you've probably met her. You've probably had her clinging on to you, crying all over you during the weeks that she struggled to settle. So thank you so much to you guys for bearing with us. We are so, so grateful for you guys. And my professional background is in the charity sector. I've spent eight years working on various projects supporting children, victims of domestic abuse and modern slavery, and growing and developing teams. And I've been working here at Southwest since January of this year, where I support serving teams and women throughout the church and our community ministries that we run from the yard, which is our community center just around the corner, from where we are now. So why Jesus? Well, I'm going to try and address this in three points this morning. Firstly, where it all began. Secondly, what I saw him do. And finally, what this means for us. And as you can imagine, this is a really hard one to try and sum up in 20 minutes. And some parts of my story I found really hard to put any words to at all. But the scriptures that I keep coming back to when I ask myself, why Jesus, are from Isaiah 61 and Micah 6. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. And Micah 6 verse 8. Do what is right. Love mercy and walk humbly with your God. And I share these verses with you this morning, not because I'm an expert in these instructions or have even fully figured out what these words mean, but simply as a starting point for the purpose and the calling that I believe he's placed on my life, 
which among other things I believe is for those who are oppressed and struggling and who find themselves in really tough situations. So where did it all begin? Well, I grew up in a Christian home in leafy Buckinghamshire, going to church with my family. I loved Sunday school, mainly for the gifts that we got given, some really exciting stuff like little bookmarks for our Bibles and these special pencils that had really gentle lead so you could highlight your favorite verses on the really thin pages that our Bibles often have. And I have to be honest that my favorite weeks at Sunday school were where we cooked in the church kitchen and we didn't really look at the Bible or talk about God much at all. I felt like this God was some figurative character. He felt really far away. Some kind old man sat up in the clouds, probably stroking his beard and not doing very much else at all. Fast forward to me starting high school. I got sick with chronic fatigue syndrome, which meant that I couldn't go to school properly for four years. And during this time, my family had a really painful experience with some friends at church. They felt really let down by the way that everything was handled. And I vividly remember thinking to myself, if that's how Christians behave and that's what they're like, then I don't want to be one. So I kind of bumbled along through my adolescent years, and it was only when I got to my gap year between high school and uni that I met Jesus. And he changed everything. I was in a pretty broken place at that point of my life, and Jesus, in his kindness and his grace, grabbed hold of me in a way that I just couldn't ignore any longer. For the first time in my life, I experienced the Holy Spirit, and this was like a full-on mic drop moment. Suddenly, everything our Sunday school teachers and my family had told me about this God made sense. He was suddenly real and alive, and I fell in love with this beautiful Savior of mine. He'd been there all along who'd been pursuing me all along and loving me all along, despite all my flaws and all my failings, all my fears and insecurities. This Jesus loved me. He wanted me. He'd created me. And this flipped my entire world upside down. It was from this place of encountering Jesus that I felt Isaiah 61 and Micah 6 become like this deep cry in my heart. I wanted to figure out how to live my life in a way where I could help people hear the good news that I had received. I wanted to see him comfort the brokenhearted, to see him release captives and set prisoners free. I wanted to learn what it meant to pursue what was right, to show others mercy, and to walk humbly with God. I wanted to help others find the same freedom that I'd found in Jesus. And getting to my final year of uni, I was a pretty typical uni student where I'd spent thousands of pounds on this degree and still had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do with my life. But I just knew that I wanted to do work that would help people and make people's lives better. 
And it was around this time that my brother, Josh, came to visit me. And he told me about this organization called A21, who I'm sure many of you will have heard of there, a brilliant anti-human trafficking organization doing a whole bunch of cool stuff across the world to end human trafficking. And my brother said I should look into them. So after he left, I sat in my freezing cold, very moldy student bedroom, and I watched this video on the A21 website of a survivor of human trafficking telling her story. And it absolutely floored me. I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit all over me, and I wept and wept and wept, and that was it. I felt this conviction that that was supposed to be where I started out, working with trafficked people. Fast forward a couple more years after finishing my master's and I started my first proper job as an advocate or a support worker for a big anti-human trafficking charity in London. And I began to come face to face with women just like the one whose story I'd watched. And I had the unbelievable privilege of watching as the Holy Spirit scooped these women up gently tending to their wounds, and he began to rebuild their lives. So what did I see him do? Well, a lot. But there's one woman in particular I supported who I honestly feel has left an imprint on my heart. She'd experienced a lifetime of abuse, mainly at the hands of various family members. And when her uncle promised her a new, safe life in the UK, away from her abusers, she had no idea that her father had sold her to this uncle for sexual exploitation in the UK. When I met her, she was understandably completely traumatized after the abhorrent things that she'd experienced. She felt hopeless about the future, and she'd often say to me, I just don't feel like life is worth living. How can I possibly bear this pain from everything that's happened to me? And I'm honestly not exaggerating when I say that when I met this precious woman, I would look at her and it was like she was dead behind the eyes. It was like the light in her eyes had gone out and there was so little there. But over time, as the Holy Spirit worked in her to restore hope and dignity, I could see this light and this life returning to her face. She started to talk about her future, about gaining qualifications in childcare so that she could support children and give them the safe experience of childhood that she had never had, of learning English so she could integrate fully into her community, of getting a place of her own. She finally believed that her life mattered and was worth something. And it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, to see the living God meeting his daughter, this woman he had created in his image that he wanted good things for, to see him loving her into a place of hope where she could dream about the future again. And so often when I think of this woman and of what Jesus did in her, I think of John 1 verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, 
and the darkness can never extinguish it. And you know, often in life, I think that we look at situations in the lives of those that we love or perhaps in our own circumstances, maybe at the world around us and all the things that we see going on, and life can feel pretty dark. We can feel really hopeless, bereft of faith, and our outlook can be really bleak. But I think in those situations where we choose to stand, to face the darkness, even if all we can muster is a whisper of hope into it, Jesus stands behind us and he roars into the darkness on our behalf. He brings a light that cannot be overcome. And this is the same heart that I carry into my role here at church. I want to see God do all of these things again and again. And this is why Grow Baby resonates so deeply with me. For anyone who isn't aware, Grow Baby is an amazing ministry that we run from the yard, our community space that I mentioned earlier, through which we provide good quality, second-hand clothing and equipment for families with 0 to 5 year olds And it's a space where we, as a church, get to support men and women experiencing all sorts of difficulties. Some fleeing domestic abuse, some who are asylum seekers or refugees, and others who are really struggling to make ends meet and provide for their children. I love this ministry, and I'm so excited to see all that God continues to do through our church community in this space. It's so much more than giving away stuff. And I can't wait to see all the ways that he's going to continue to meet his people to bring restoration and healing. So what does this mean for us? Well, I know that many of us will have our own stories of how we've encountered Jesus, of what we've seen him do in our lives. And I know that there is so much more of this Jesus, this beautiful kind, loving, life-changing Jesus for us to get to know. And my hope for each of us is that we spend the rest of our lives chasing after him and walking hand in hand, day in, day out with our Jesus. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. It's the same Jesus that I've spoken about this morning, who can do so much more than we can possibly conceive of, who is running towards each one of us this morning. He's the only one that can do the stuff I've talked about. He is the good news that we all need, the only one who can truly comfort the brokenhearted and bring freedom to the captives. He's the hero of our stories, and what a joy it is to belong to him. And I just want to end with an invitation that 
If you don't know who this Jesus guy is, if you, like I did, feel like God is some faraway old guy sat up in the clouds not doing much at all, or perhaps you have met Jesus, but right now you feel like you just can't quite see his face, please don't leave here this morning without us praying for you. We would love to point you towards this most magnificent man that we call Jesus. So I'd love to invite you to stand and we're going to pray.